Father God, we thank you. You're a great God to us this morning, and we appreciate the worship of your people. And we just ask God for your anointing, that we can hear your voice this morning. It's so important to hear your voice this morning, O God, that you would speak to us. And Lord, open our ears and our eyes to the Holy Spirit and to the words that God would speak to his church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, my God can do anything. My God can do anything. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. I chose this verse to begin my sermon this morning for a reason. I believe God gave it to me. If you look at the words in the second verse, and the earth was without form. In the Hebrew, that word without form means chaos and confusion. And void, which means empty. And darkness, which means obscurity and to be in darkness. And I likened it to our personal lives, that sometimes our lives are in chaos, and sometimes our lives are in confusion. And sometimes that void that we feel, that emptiness is in our heart. It's there, it's real, it's a reality. And the darkness, sometimes we grope in the dark because we're walking in obscurity. But look what the Bible says. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God wants to move upon us, particularly in our chaos and confusion. Particularly when we feel empty, when we feel lonely. Particularly when we're walking in darkness and in obscurity because we don't know what next move to make in our lives. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Light always dispels darkness. And God always wants to bring light, praise God, into our lives to dispel any confusion or chaos or void or emptiness or obscurities in our life so that we could walk, praise God, in peace and that we could walk in the light of God. And God said, that verse, those three words, and God said, are repeated 587 times in the Bible, that one verse, and God said. God's voice spoke, and great miracles and wonders took place. Praise God. If there's going to be a revival in our hearts, God will have to move upon us like he moved upon these scriptures in Genesis chapter 1. He's going to have to move upon us like he moved upon the face of the waters and speak light and life into our spirit. Praise the Lord. Everyone's talking about revival. Preachers are saying we need revival. People across the world are saying America needs revival. We've said we need revival. Now, what is revival? I've been in some of the greatest revival meetings in my lifetime. As an evangelist, as a, as a Christian, as a pastor, revival is great. Singing and shouting is great. The power of God falling in our midst is great. People falling out under the power of the Holy Spirit is great. But that's a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. What's God saying to us? The greatest part of revival... And listen closely, if you hear nothing else this morning, 
The greatest part of revival is hearing the word of God and doing the word of God. Listen, when we were under apprenticeship with our pastor, we couldn't wait to go to church. Listen, he was a man of music. He, He was a man of worship and praise. And if you didn't, he'd come and get you and bring you to the altar if he had to. I saw him bring the church back to the altar four or five times because they weren't doing it the way he said God wanted it done. But you always waited for the word of God. And you know why? Because he used to go to the mountains and pray. And you knew that on Saturday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night, there was going to be a word from God that was going to be spoken to the church. And you came with a notebook and you came with a pen or a pencil And you wrote down because you anticipated what is the pastor going to say? What did he hear from God this week that we need to hear in the house of God? The greatest part of revival, my friend, is hearing the word of God and then doing the word of God. Can you say amen to that? Hearing the voice of God means this. It means you're accepting his teachings that have been written on paper in the word of God. The voice of God is his thoughts on paper. The voice of God is his thoughts on paper. The word of God reverses the enemy's plan and puts you in a different spiritual position and direction if you'll hear the voice of the Lord God. There are many voices in the world. And I don't know about you, but I'm so sick and tired of hearing so many voices. I'm sick and tired of hearing so many commentators. I'm sick and tired of hearing so many opinions and so many philosophies about what's happening in the world, what's going to happen in the world, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen three weeks from now. Listen to what the word says. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. People are speaking. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's accurate. It doesn't mean it's God's word. It doesn't mean it's the gospel. In Revelation 1.15, his voice is the sound of many waters. Huh. That's amazing. Because, you know, a lot of people go to the lake and not necessarily to go fish. Or they get in a boat and they go into the lake. And why do they do that? Because the water is so peaceful. I mean, you could sit by the lake and just put your, your feet in or just sit there in a chair or on the shore and you listen to the water. And sometimes you throw a pebble and you see the ripple in that water. Jesus' voice is the voice of many waters. John on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation 4.1, he said, After this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. I can't even explain or understand what happened to John. When that voice spoke and said, come up hither, he was in a different world to receive the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's amazing that God's voice spoke to him. Praise God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25, see that you refuse not him that speaketh. This is an admonition from God. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, 
yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. In the easy translation, it says this, So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that took, that, that, that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time he told us this quite plainly. He also rocked the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase, one last shaking, means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all historical and religious junk so that unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleansing house, touching, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. Let me say two things. I've been studying the book of Jeremiah because I believe the book of Jeremiah has a lot to do with the course of America and its future. And the prophet of God, God was, was, was told by God to write down his dreams and prophecies on a scroll and have Baruch bring it to the king. And the king was sitting by his fireplace with a knife. And as he was reading the scroll and the dreams and prophecies of Jeremiah, he would cut the piece out that he read and throw it into the fire and let it burn. And he burned the whole scroll. What he was saying was this, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what you have to say, Jeremiah. So imagine a man of God writing in those days by hand all the dreams and prophecies that he had given to the land. And so God said, I want you to do that one more time, but I want you to add some prophecy to it. And he told the king, here's another scroll. You might want to read it. And this is basically what the message was. He said, king, I warned you through God that if you submit to the king of Babylon, you'll be okay. Submit. You're going to be overtaken. He's going to come and burn Jerusalem. He's going to burn it down. But he wouldn't listen. But he said, because you don't listen, all your sons will be killed before you and your eyes will be gouged out and that's how you'll live the rest of your life. See, he didn't believe the prophet. And people today don't believe the word of God. They don't believe what God has to say. But God is saying something to us. He's saying... Listen up. I'm giving you my word. I brought you my prophets. Listen, the prophets that spoke in the Old Testament, those prophecies are not dead. Those prophecies are still alive. But people say, well, that was for Israel, for Judah, or so on. Listen, they're for us also. If you read them, praise God, and just put our country's name in there, it's for us also. And it's alarming when you read it. Because people don't want to hear what God's word has to say. Jesus said these words, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Are you a king, Jesus? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest I'm a king. 
To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. A lot of people in the last day will not want to hear that voice. And they'll give themselves to apostasy and fables and philosophies and nonsense that won't amount to a hill of beans. It's so sad that Jesus, 2,000 years ago plus, stood over Jerusalem and cried and cried. He wept and said, if you only knew who you have here right now, And I believe he's doing the same thing to this world and particularly America. And he's standing on the shores of America, maybe on the Hudson River. I don't know where, but he's standing and he's crying and he's saying, will you just listen to what the prophets said? Will you just listen to what the last day preachers are saying? Will you just listen to what I'm saying as God Almighty? Will you just listen to what I'm saying? People aren't. Oh, some are. Some are. But not enough at this point are responding to the word of God. The Bible says in John 10 and 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They hear my voice. Hebrews 3, 7, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice today, not tomorrow. Hebrews 3.15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Every time we turn away from God's word, every time we say, I don't want to hear it, every time we don't want to open that Bible, every time God's voice speaks to us, we harden our hearts. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20, And he said this to the church, not to the sinner world. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. God's voice is on the other side of that door and he knocks on that door. But how many people keep the door closed? Why do they do that? They don't want to hear that voice. They don't want to hear God clean up your act. Hey, my daughter told me yesterday that dumpsters, you can't get a dumpster right now because they're on back order. And so when God said in Hebrews chapter 12 to get rid of the clutter, I think what a lot of people did during the quarantine of 75 days or whatever it was, I think they decided to start to clean out their basement, clean out their garage, and started to accumulate all the junk and all the things that they had possessed over the years. And it's amazing how much you can possess. And then after the quarantine, they obviously ordered dumpsters that now are on back order. Why? Because in the physical, God's saying, get rid of the clutter so we can have organization. And when God came upon the face of the earth, when he created the heavens and the earth, he was saying, I demand organization. Because he's a God of organization. But in the spirit world, it's the same way. He's trying to say to the church, get organized. Come together. Be one body, one faith, one baptism. One belief, one mind, one accord. That's what God's saying. So let's talk about the voice of God for a few minutes and its majesty. In, in, in Psalm 29.1, David wrote, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 
Look at verse 3. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. Verse 4. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Sarian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divided the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord make the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The voice of the Lord, praise God, can do what it says in Psalm 29. It can break a cedar tree in half. It can divide fires. It can divide waters like it did in the days of Moses. It can break any bondage of sin. The voice of God. It can break any bondage of sickness and any bondage of disease. It can go places where no one else or nothing else can go. I said it can go places where no one or nothing else can go. It's the voice of the God Almighty. It's the voice we hide from the voice we don't want to hear especially when our conscience is not right with God or we're not walking in the light as God desires us to the word of God in Hebrews 4.12 says this for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow. The voice of God can go right through us. The voice of God can prick our minds and our conscience and our heart. The voice of God is so powerful that even from a distance, God can speak and touch our soul and our spirit. You see, my friend, the word of God is alive and effectual, and it's able to cut in a single stroke. Make no mistake about it. God doesn't have to hack at it. God doesn't have to give repeated blows to cause the voice of God to come and divide asunder soul and spirit. One cut, one entry, and the voice of God speaks. And we know when it speaks because it pricks our hearts and touches us. And God is trying to say to us in the last day as a church in America, let me prick your heart. You see, when Saul on the Damascus road was brought low before God, what was the conversation between him and Jesus? Jesus said to him, why do you kick against the pricks? Why? What did I do to you, Saul, that you're so angry? What what did I do to you that you're incarcerating Christians and causing their death? What did I ever do to you, Saul? 
Tell me. And Saul was brought low. And he responded to the voice of God. And that day, the life of Saul changed. And that was the beginning of him becoming Paul the Apostle, one of the greatest preachers. Because he heard the voice of God, he heeded the voice of God, he obeyed the voice of God, and then he started walking in the voice of God. I believe God in the last day wants us to walk in his voice. I believe he wants us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of God can go through, it can penetrate, it can pierce into the separate parts and it cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped by any enemy force or any weapons that the enemy sends against us. The word of God goes deep and is able to judge your thoughts and give you an opportunity to bring to mind and revolve in your mind and ponder what God is saying to you this morning and saying to me. The word of God will help you think spiritually and consider and understand the thoughts and ways of God. The word of God will help you understand the will of God for your life. I don't understand folks who do not go to God for God's will for their life. They're living a futile life. Listen, if you're going to go to a certain place and you plan it on your GPS and you're going south, but the GPS is taking you west. You're going in the wrong direction. And a lot of folks are going in the wrong direction. You know simply why? Because they won't open this book and ask God a question. What's your will for my life? And that's not an easy question. And people are afraid what God's going to answer them. People are afraid the voice of God is going to penetrate into their soul. And you know what I found out in counseling? I found out that most people know what they're supposed to do, but they're not doing it. Their best thinking gets them where they are. And they live a futile life of failure. And some people will live out that entire life and they'll go to their grave and die in that state. Simply because... They weren't attentive to the voice of God and hearing the preaching of God's word. What's God saying? Jesus always has a plan as his voice is heard, especially in the spirit world. You have to get this this morning. Jesus always has a plan as his voice is heard, especially in the spirit world. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, interesting, it says, And the same day, when evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. He told the disciples in Mark 5 and 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. Now, Jesus had a plan. He didn't just haphazardly say, Hey, let's go take a ride on the river here. He always had a plan because he said, I hear what my father says and I do exactly what my father says to do. That's why he came to do the father's will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he came and when he was come out of the ship immediately, 
there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. He was a wild, crazy man out of his mind. And verse 5, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. He was a cutter. Full of blood. And verse 6, but when he saw Jesus afar off. Here's the plan. Jesus didn't just say to these fellows, let's get in a boat for a recreational ride. He had a plan that day. Because he knew there was a man in torment. He knew there was a man that was being terrorized by demon spirits, unclean spirits. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice himself and said, What have I do with thee, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? The demons are speaking to Jesus. What do I have to do with you? Why are you here? We're having a good time with this guy. It's like a sport. We're playing with him. We're teasing him. We're tormenting him. We put chains on him and he breaks loose. Jesus said, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto them, listen to the voice of God. Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. With one breath and one phrase and one voice, Jesus said, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And in a moment of a twinkling of an eye and spontaneously, that man was in his right mind. He was in his right mind. Why? Because those spirits heard the voice of the master. The master. Jesus. Here is an impossible situation that Jesus took care of very simply by speaking the words Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. In just a few words from the mouth of Jesus, this man's life and his whole world changed. Do you think not that's possible for us? Don't you remember when you accepted Christ? Don't you remember the world that you used to live in? And now the world that you live in now are two different worlds? One of darkness and one of light. And how did that happen? You responded to the voice of Jesus through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And you were changed. And in one voice, in one scoop, God took our guilt and our shame and our sin and put it into the sea of forgetfulness and shed light, praise God, that dispelled the darkness in our life. Amazing how we changed in a moment. That people who knew us marveled and said, Who are you? Something's different about you. And what happened to you? 
And there was a great opportunity, a door of entrance for you to speak to them and say, let me tell you what happened to me. And you may have not been able to have all the theology that day. And some people think I have to know the entire Bible to tell someone about what Jesus did to me. Or you need to tell them this. Once I was blind, but now I could see. Once I lived in darkness, but now I have light. Praise God. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Let me tell you about the love of Jesus and the voice of God that spoke to me. Even death responds to the voice of the Lord. In John chapter 11, verse 41, again, the plan of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. This is the story of his close friend, Lazarus. And Jesus got word that Lazarus died. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, they were beside themselves because their brother deceased. And the message got to Jesus. But Jesus took his time because he had a plan. He waited a few extra days. Because he wanted to show the world that when he spoke, even death responds. He said in John 11, verse 42, And I know that thou hearest me always. He's talking to his father. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. He's talking out loud. They must have thought he was a crazy man. They must have thought he spent too much time in the sun. And he's talking to his father. And verse 30, 43, and when he had thus had spoken after the conversation with Abba, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. They buried this man in a tomb. They wrapped him in mummy clothes. They put a thing of a mask around his face, bound his hands and feet. And Jesus is speaking to the hole in the earth where the stone was removed. And now he's speaking in front of all of these people. Lazarus, they all knew Lazarus. Come forth, the voice of God. And he that was dead he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin and Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. Woo. Can you imagine that day? The naysayers? Can you imagine that day people saying, man, what is going on here? What's happening in our midst? Who is this person? He told you, I am the son of God. 
Before Moses, I am. Before Joshua, I am. Before Jeremiah, I am. I am the Son of God. People today don't believe that. There's an army of pastors that get behind this pulpit that don't believe that on Sunday morning. They don't believe in the virgin birth. They don't believe in the physical resurrection of Christ. They preach a social gospel. I'm okay, you're okay. Let's get a better life. (laughs) They don't preach the voice of the Lord. They don't preach his thoughts on paper. But there are others that are coming forth that are standing in the midst of their people and saying, thus saith the Lord. Hear ye the voice of God. Let me talk to you about death again. I love this story because it involves parents and a little girl. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5 and verse 41, there was a little girl that died, 12 years old. That's tragic. When a little girl of 12 deceases, can't imagine the grief of a parent laying a child of 12 to rest, burying him in the earth. But Jesus had a plan. He had a plan. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 41, a phenomenal thing took place. The Bible says that he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talatha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Now what happened that day? He was with Peter, James, and John. And outside the door of this house were the minstrels singing those songs of mourning and grief. Oh, she's dead. She's dead. As if the parents didn't know in the back room that a 12-year-old girl lie on her bed dead. Jesus shut the door. And he took the three disciples with him. And he went to the back room. And I'm sure they were wondering what was he going to do and what was the plan because they knew the girl deceased. But here's the phenomenon that a lot of people don't understand. When he said to her, I say unto thee, arise, the body that lay there on that bed, the spirit that was in that body, listen to this clearly and closely, was going down the corridor of time that had already left her. It was her spirit that left her body. But when it heard the voice of Jesus, that spirit that was going down the corridor of time stopped and turned around and started walking back to that 12-year-old girl and climbed back into her body. And God overcame death through the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how powerful my God is today. You notice that he said Lazarus at the tomb. If you would have just said, come forth, a multitude of people would have come out of the graves. But he said specifically Lazarus. You know, some people say, and this is way out there. 
Can Jesus raise someone from the dead that's been dead 40 years? Today? Yes. How do I know that? Because when he was crucified on the cross, 500. 500. They weren't dead for a day or two or a week. Some of them were dead for a long time. Started walking around Jerusalem. (laughs) Come on, friends. It's in your book. It's in your Bible. You know why? Because it heard the voice of God. And God destined for that to happen. Hey, here's Aunt Martha. Here's Uncle Seymour. Here's Uncle Harry. Hey, I thought you were dead 20 years ago. Oh, praise God, I'm here knocking on your door. You have anything to eat, son? Man, I'm I'm hungry. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me tell you where I've been. God can do anything. My God can do anything. We can't minimize the power of God. We can't minimize the voice of God. He overcame death when he rose from the dead. Luke chapter 7, verse 12. Another sorrowful mom. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man, make no mistake about it, carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. She had no husband. And much people of the city was with her. Obviously, a lot of people felt her grief and her pain. Obviously, everyone knew this woman and her son. And they were coming through the city with a coffin. And Jesus, a God of compassion, a God of love, a God of concern. When the Lord saw her, in verse 13 of Luke 7, he had compassion on her and said unto her, his voice spoke and said to her, weep not. Can't you hear that calming voice of the Lord in your spirit? Jesus looking at a widow woman, a dead son in a coffin, And he speaks gently to her and says, weep not. Don't cry. Just like a mother does when a child skins their knee and holds that child close to her bosom and says to the child, don't cry. It'll be okay. Mom will take care of it. You'll be okay. And the Bible says, and he came and he touched the coffin. And they that bear him stood still. Jesus is going to interrupt death one more time. And he said, he said, and God said, the voice of God spoke and said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak and he delivered him to his mother. What a joyful moment that must have been for a widow woman to receive back her son who was dead on his way to being buried and now 
sitting up, hearing the voice of Jesus, I say unto thee, arise. God's voice must be obeyed. It does no good just to hear his voice. We must respond to his voice and to his will. Adam and Eve found this out in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Why were they hardy? Because they disobeyed the voice of God. They disobeyed his directions. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? God gave him directions. And he said, as he created Adam and breathed breath into his nostrils outside the garden, he placed him in the garden. And he said, you're the man. You're the man that needs to be in charge of this garden and everything that's in it. And these are the rules and these are the regulations that I set forth. Adam heard the voice of the Lord and Adam knew full well what he was responsible for and accountable for. But he fell because he disobeyed God's voice. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, and Adam, he said unto Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. And that's one reason we pull weeds out of our garden. Because Adam disobeyed God. And we sweat at our brow as we plant our tomatoes and our cucumbers and we pull weeds and we till and rototill and we work and we sweat and we perspire. One man disobeyed the voice of God and that ushered in sin into mankind. Jeremiah spoke to the people in Jeremiah 42 and 17 he was saying disobedience to God's word will be judged. Every last one of you who is determined to go to Egypt and make it your home will either be killed, starve, or get sick and die. No survivors, not one. No, no one will escape the doom that I'll bring upon you. Imagine being a prophet of God in those days and speaking that. Imagine bringing that message to the church. This is the message from the God of the angel armies, the God of Israel. In the same way that I swept the citizens of Jerusalem away with my anger and wrath, I'll do the same thing all over again in Egypt. 
You'll end up being cursed, reviled, ridiculed, and mocked. And you'll never see your homeland again. God has plainly told you, you leftovers from from Judah, don't go to Egypt. Could anything be plainer? I warn you this day that you are living out a fantasy. You're making a fatal mistake. Didn't you just now send me to your God saying, pray for us to our God and tell us everything that God says and we'll do it. They asked Jeremiah to go before the Lord and say, tell us what the plan of God is. Hear the voice of the Lord and tell us, Jeremiah. Well, now I've told you. I told you everything he said and you haven't obeyed a word of it. Not a single word of what your God sent me to tell you. So now let me tell you what will happen next. You will be killed. You'll starve to death. You'll get sick and die in the wonderful country where you determined to go and live. Terrible. Terrible words. Terrible. You know, when we talk about judgment, I don't think we understand even what that means. When you hear the preachers say, if we're not careful, God will judge America, I I don't think we understand what that means. It's a terrible moment. It's an hour of desolation. It moves me to want to pray. It behooves me to hear the voice of God, to stay in check, to stay in line, to go forward, carry whatever cross, whatever cup I have to drink, whatever it takes to get to the other side. It's no time to be lazy. It's no time to chase rainbows. It's no time to chase fantasies. It's a time to hear the voice of God and listen to that voice and do the voice of God and obey that voice. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Here's the bottom line concerning the voice of God. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He's asking a question. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is I. And as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed, transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Saul was cut off. Saul eventually committed suicide. Saul heard the voice of God. But he listened to the people before he listened to the voice of the prophet that brought a message from God. How foolish. He was a king. He was a king of Israel. And he was taken out by the Lord for one purpose, one reason. He failed to obey the voice of God. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 16, obedience will be rewarded, rewarded. And said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and has not withheld thy son, thine only son. This is Abraham and Isaac. Imagine God speaking to a dad and saying, I want you to bring Isaac up to a mountain and sacrifice him. But Abraham had such great faith 
that he told his servant to wait at the base of the mountain. And he said, we will return. He had faith in God. He knew God was going to do something, but he was willing to obey and put that child on the altar. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Abraham was rewarded. He became the father of many nations. Came the father, Abraham. Father Abraham. Why? Because he was willing to obey the voice of God in those hard moments of life. We're all going to come to that place in our life where there's hard moments to make decisions. I plead with you. I plead with the church that every decision that you make from here on out, especially major decisions, are based on the word of God, the voice of the Lord, and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because as I've said maybe a hundred times, every decision that you make today will affect your every tomorrow. Every decision you make today will affect your every tomorrow. And people are making poor decisions. People are making terrible decisions. And as a result, it will lead to their demise. Obedience is a sign of covenant. As I come to a close. Joshua 24 and verse 24. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. They agreed like two people marrying. They agreed. There was a bond, a binding, a covenant, a contract that we will obey the voice of the Lord, Joshua. That's the same covenant that we have to make today as we see this world unwind, as we see chaos in our streets, as we see blood flowing, anarchy, tyranny, disobedience, rebellion, anger, hatred, bitterness, murder in our streets. God is saying, I'm looking for a people that will hear my voice. I'm looking for a people that would make a covenant with me. Listen to what he says as we close. In Proverbs 1.20, Wisdom crieth without, and she uttereth her voice in the streets. That's Jesus. It's the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom crieth without. And she uttereth her voice in the streets. Can you tell me who's listening to that voice in the streets today? When people are throwing Molotov cocktails at the police? Where they're going into restaurants? Where people are just trying to have a quiet dinner? 
and terrorizing people. Terrorizing people. Are they listening to the voice of wisdom? Are they listening to the voice that's crying in the street? No. No. Proverbs 2, 3 says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, God is saying, cry out for knowledge. Cry out for understanding. Cry out for my wisdom. Cry out to hear my voice. He says in Proverbs 5, 13, why didn't I listen to my mentors or take my teachers seriously? Look at that verse for a moment. How many people have been in churches in America where a man or a woman of God has stood before them to preach the word of the Lord week after week and year after year and month after month? And they heard it. But here's the end result. Why didn't I listen to my mentors or take my teachers seriously? And if you look at the following verses, it basically says, my life is a failure because I failed to listen to those that were mentoring me and those that were teaching me God's word, God's wisdom, God's knowledge and understanding. Obeying the voice of our God. How many people have walked away from the houses of God in America because they didn't want to hear it anymore. We're in the age of apostasy. We're in the er age where people are dismissing the gospel. Don't want to hear it. Proverbs 8, 4 says, Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. He's calling. He's calling. And in Isaiah 28 and verse 23, give ye ear and hear my voice and hearken and hear my speech. It can't get any plainer. The word of God is so plain and so simple. But yet, people rebel, fight it, and say, I don't want to hear it. I want to eat drink and be merry and search for happiness which they will never find unless they hear the voice of the Lord. My God can do anything. I said my God can do anything. Whether it's waking someone up from death, healing sick bodies, speaking to us concerning direction in the days that we're living, mending a home, mending a marriage, bringing a child back to the fold. My God, your God, our God can do anything. Let us pray. Father, you have spoken again. Your voice has been heard in the sanctuary we're responsible for that voice. We're responsible for the words that are spoken in our midst, just as the prophets spoke in the Old Testament. The words that you give your preachers, the words that you give to speak to the church, I pray that we would hearken to those words, 
Listen to your voice and obey your voice. Seek your direction, your counsel. That God, we might hear what direction to go and what to do. How to decide major decisions, especially in the days ahead. I pray, God, that you help us honor that covenant that Joshua and the people agreed to, that we will obey the voice of our God. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for this video that will go out to others. I pray that you would touch them. And I pray, God, that the voice of the Lord God in the name of Jesus would speak into their spirit and speak healing to their body, their soul, their mind. Speak healing to their family and to their homes, to their marriages. Speak healing to those that have lost hope. I pray this prayer, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.